Hello, hello there. My name is Moy with my co-host Corey. We are The Real Guys and this is The Real Show with two ears. Today we are following on from last week's episode in a kind of roundabout way. Because if you can remember, dear listener or dear viewer, if you're watching our video version on YouTube or maybe you're, you're listening on one of our podcast sites like Apple, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to us. Or maybe you're listening to us on the radio for our radio program, The Real Show, Real Two E's L Show. To follow on, this is kind of like a segue, I suppose you could call it a segue. Would you call it a segue? Yes, we're one fit to call it. Yep. We're continuing yes. from last week, because last week we were covering the Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation Special. And in that, I don't know whether in the actual episode itself, or maybe one of our conversations before or after the recording of the episode, I mentioned something from Solo, a Star Wars Story 2018. Yes. And your response was, Corey, that you have never... No. Never seen it. Never seen it. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Yes. So I said to you, Corey, what did I say? Well, you said I should watch... Watch solo. We should talk about solo. solo. We should talk about solo. We should make solo an episode. Yes. And so we're here. We've covered Rogue One, haven't we? We gave Rogue One a ten reels. Yes. A fantastic ten countum reels, which is revolutionary for this show. Because we don't we don't often give something a ten. It takes a lot for us to give something a ten, doesn't it, Corey? But Rogue One did earn a ten reels. I don't think solo will get that high today, but (laughs) we'll give it a review. Okay. However, we will push on and we'll give it a review. So, did you look into Solo at all before you uh, before you got the film up on Disney Plus and gave it a watch? So, I didn't look anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, but bearing in mind, uh, I've heard a lot about this film. Right. Um, over the years, I'd heard talk about this film, mostly not good, mm-hmm. uh, admittedly. Uh, mostly negative. I also... In 2018, possibly. The year this film came out. Yes. Um, I went to a film festival right. in York for college. Okay. And college was like, right, you need to go to this talk. Um, it's a guy in the industry. He's going to give you a talk about film. Okay. So we went. And it was a guy who worked on the CGI for Solar. Right. And so he broke down the whole like train scene and how it okay, works with CGI okay. and all the models and all that sort of stuff. Yes. So I, I I know that. I can tell you about the train scene. Excellent. You were talking um, about the, the train chase on Vandor? So other than that, all I've heard is negative. Okay. And well, you've watched <laughs> the film yourself. I've seen it now. You've seen it now in full. Yes. Let's cover it. We start on Corellia. Yes. And we start with Han Solo himself, or just Han or Han. Han. They mess with pronunciations a lot yeah. in this film, and it's almost done for jokes at times. Because they say, I think in it's in Empire Strikes Back, where Billy Dee Williams, Lando Carizian, says, keep saying Han. Yes. And then he says, oh, it's Han. It's, it's Han. Yeah. You know. Or do you say Han and you pronounce Han? You're asking the wrong person, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can't right. tell you what's said in Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. But Lando, Lando basically pronounced it the way he does it in this yes. film, which is a nice bit of continuity there, that Lando always pronounces it wrong yep. or not the right way. But we have Alden Aaron Reich as Han Solo, and uh, we have Donald Glover as yep. Lando Carizian, who is a standout in this film. Yeah. He's, he's really putting his all to be Lando. He wants to be Lando now. You know, he still wants to play that part, which is great. It is. I doubt we'll see it, but... I doubt, know. yeah. I don't think Solo <laughs> 2 will be... End up happening. No, I also don't think we'll go back to a point where someone else walks into Lando Carizian. No, no. 
And sometimes maybe many maybe it's Billy D. Williams. Yeah. He still does the Lego specials. It does. There's that. He still does the Lego specials. Han is uh, jumping speeders on Corellia yep. and racing away from gangs. Uh, he works for the uh, White Worm Gang on Corellia, which is a gang of you know thieves and yep. smugglers and such, under the command of Lady Proxima, who is voiced by Linda Hunt. If you're aware of um, a famous character actress, Linda Hunt. Yep. She voices Lady Proxima, who's a giant giant worm. That's a Dune reference, I think. Yeah. Um, were you? Did you see a effect? The model for her and the, the sort of worm face and all of that. Why well, isn't this it watching this or I've seen it in general? No, no. Have you, you watching this? What did you think? Again, when it comes to it's all the time of Star Wars, right? The creatures, the creatures. Yes, exactly. Visually, the creatures or animals or whatever on planets in different places are always great in Star Wars. Yes. Um, atmospherically, better if it's an actual you know prop or practical thing. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what the species of Lady Proxima is? Uh, no. It's a Grindelid. Okay. She's a Grindelid from uh, Perse- from Perseus, which is an expansion region planet. I was going to try to make up a name, but in I the think yeah, in the expansion regions, uh, which has a, such a dense atmosphere that it blocks out sunlight. So that's why she has to be in the water and in the dark all the time. Yeah. She's got photosensitive skin, so. And uh, Lady Proxima was in charge of the White Worm Gang, uh, yep. as well as a male. Um, only female Grindelids look like the massive worms. Male Grindelids, which is uh, Moloch, the guy in the armor, that's what he looks like. Of course. So he's not a worm; he's just a big a dinosaur man. Yeah. So. And they they grab Han. Yep. And take him to Lady Proxima, and he meets Han meets his girlfriend Kira, who wants to save from. The gang of thieves they're a part of. Yes. So he breaks them out by getting a rock, and I do like the fact that um, Lady Proxima is like, "You'll never get away, handsome." So I look like, "Yeah, I've got this thermal detonator. Watch out!" And he goes, "That's a rock," <laughs> which I thought was quite. I did. I think I laughed in the cinema when I saw that. And he goes, "You just made a clicking noise with your mouth," and he goes, "Then I'm going to throw it," and he throws the rock at the window, and he, it breaks through, and the light comes on, and she's burning, and she jumps yeah. in the water, and then they escape. From Moloch, and they head to the correct. They head to Coronet City on Corellia, which is from Legends. Which is nice. There you go. It's kind of nice that, and they have to get to the toll gate to get out to the galaxy. Yeah. But then Kira gets snatched away by the bad guys, uh, by Moloch and a the gang. Then he's separated by the stormtroopers, who are because uh, it, it's you know it's uh, it's the mid time of the Empire. It's yeah. the, the time of the rise of the Empire here. So Han has to watch where he's stepping. It's ten BBY. Great. Well, actually, I think the prologue is actually set in 13 BBY, so that's the that's before Battle of Yavin. Yes. And 10 BBY is 10 years before the Battle of Yavin. It makes Battle of Yavin the sort of focal point of the canon. Yeah. And as they say in the prologue, it's a lawless time. Crime syndicates compete for resources. And one of those crime syndicates is... Crimson Dawn, Corey. Thank you. Crimson Dawn. I was waiting for you to name them and you didn't. No. Crimson Dawn, led by who? What's his name? What's his name? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Dryden Voss. He is the head of Crimson Dawn. And it's Paul Bettany. Uh, plays our villain. He's got the he's got the cool outfit. He's got the cool black outfit with a cool cape. 
And those nice, those knuckle duster knives. The turn red laser, did you see them? Yeah. He's got the knuckle duster knives that he uses, double bladed knives. He swings them around. But first, Han has to escape from the stormtroopers, so he goes to the Imperial Recruitment Center, where we see uh, a video plague of two Star Destroyers in a Cantwell class arrestor cruiser flying through the uh, space. And the music that's playing is actually the Imperial March in minor key. So, if you didn't listen to that... Very nice. He goes to the recruitment officer. Uh, Do you know what his name is? Nope. His name's Draud Munbrin. Thank you. You expect me to remember that. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Everyone's got a name. That's why I'm just going to tell you what everyone's (laughs) name is. His name's Draud Munbrin, and he gives Han Solo his solo name. And I remember freaking out in the cinema when I heard that. Not happy. I was mad. No one I was. was. Like, I was like, what? That's not how he gets his name. Some random officer yeah. goes, Han, well, you got nobody. I'm going to call you Han Nobody. Yeah. There you go. Have a good job. <laughs> Han Nobody. Han by himself. Yeah. Han got no, got no friendos. That's what your new name is, son. He gives him the name Han Solo yep. and lets him go. Yeah. He, he goes, he approves Han's application and tells him to go to... Uh, the transport to the Fight Academy on Corrida. Yeah. And that's when the, you get a deleted scene of Han crashing his TIE fighter into this hangar on a Cantwell cruiser and they're destroying his old fighter squadron by chasing these headhunters. Then he gets put before a tribunal and they say that he's unfit to fly and they send him to Minban and then they, go, and then they just cut to Minban, cut to him flying again. Yeah. Because the joke is that the two officers say, oh, you'll be flying in no time, Han Solo. And then you see him in this fighter crash, and he's crashing into the hangar. And then the other officer tells him when he's getting tried, he says, oh, we'll have you flying again in no time, Han Solo. And then then he's flying through the air. I do have one question. Right, fire away. And this wasn't even a question, anyway. It's something I was going to bring up, and I thought I'd best bring it up now before we get to the end, we've run out of time. Right. So, uh, back in 2018. Yeah when this came out there at least as far back in my memory wasn't really many Star Wars spin-offs no right we had Rogue One yeah and we had this yeah now Rogue One was new people we established that before so it's completely new cast completely new characters for the most part fine cool I'm a bit curious of why when they've gone, okay, we're going to make a backstory for a person why the first person they thought of was Han Solo Han Solo Well, well you would you get Han Solo, of course you would. Princess Leia, pff, leave her, you know. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, prequels have done that. Yeah. Let's have Han Solo, like, sounds great. It's like, dude, I don't know, that was my one thing of, I don't even know if I really want to. There I, are I, new characters in this, we have new characters I just mentioned Ryan Voss, Tobias Beckett is, is is in this, he's played by Woody Harrelson. Yes. I get Val and Rio Durant. I just kind of like the whole mystery of, <laughs> Han Solo. Right, Han's origins. Yeah. Even though they've been very, they've been just uh, told in Legends to be roughly not the same, but roughly as. Yeah, but I see. I don't read Legends. All oh, right. Yeah. He was he was an Imperial cadet and he was a fighter pilot. Yeah. And he met Chewbacca through levels of insubordination. And yes. And ha- Chewbacca was a slave and, and freed him. Uh, as we know from uh, background characters, Vidlow Quirve. Yeah, Vidlow Quirve. Yeah, Vidlow Quirve. The background characters can be anyone. <laughs> yeah. Bidlow Quirve and uh, Han Solo didn't get that. So, unfortunately, no, uh, no Bidlow Quirve. No Bidlow Quirve in this film, no. unfortunately. We would like to see Bidlow... When's Bidlow Quirve? Bidlow Quirve, a Star Wars <laughs> story. Coming soon. Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Great. 
on Minban. Yes. He's fighting, which is a pit four, but Minban was mentioned in Clone Wars. Okay. And uh, the Minbanese are a famous uh, rebellious army to the Imperials. They're fighting the Imperial ground troopers, the Imperial army, not the stormtroopers you'd find. Okay. Because you realise that stormtroopers are actually more of... They suppose they're supposed to be the elite core. They're supposed to be the Imperial stormtrooper. They're supposed to be... They're not your run-of-the-mill soldiers, the stormtroopers. These guys... It's the Imperial Armored Division, this sort of Imperial grunts, grunt ground units yep. that are meant to be the force of the Imperial Army on most worlds, rather than just all stormtroopers all the time. Yeah. Because the Empire isn't just stormtroopers. And this sh- and this film really showed that, the fact that the Empire isn't just made up all these white helmeted troopers going around. There's actually people who are, you know, mud troopers, guys who are, you know, thick on the ground, and these sort of armored, kind of very World War One esque yeah. Scenes, and I really like that in a Star Wars film. We need more of that in Star Wars, I think. But that's probably what we're going to get from Andor. True, actually. We'll get a lot of that, point. you know, war, dirty, you know, boots on the ground, I mean, you know, war feel of when, Andor. When Andor comes out. Andor comes out, yeah, September 21st. Yes. But it's there on Minban where Solo meets his crew. Mm. We've got Tobias Beckett, uh-huh. Woody Harrelson, what do you think? Of Woody Harrelson or of Tobias Beckett? Tobias Beckett. Okay, I was going to say, I quite like Woody Harrelson. Right, okay, quite like Woody Harrelson. Natural Born Killers. Exactly. Venom. True. You know, you quite like him. Uh, any more? You got any more uh, on you? No, that's, no, that's it. <laughs> okay. Just some two films. Yeah, just them two. Then his his girlfriend Val is there, and Rio Durant, who's an Ardinium, which is a four-armed monkey man. You know who voices Rio? No. Sean Favreau, the the showrunner oh, okay. of Mandalorian and Mandalorian season two and all that, the architect of the. That great show that is The Mandalorian and Happy Hogan in the MCU. Okay, see that's what I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. As a guy, as a guy who's not seen The Mandalorian. No, no, someone who was, actually he is in Mandalorian. <laughs> he voices Paz Vizsla, the big Mandalorian. Um, yeah, I'm gonna nod and go. Yep. Yeah, you know his face. You know his face. I know yeah. who that is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Paz Vizsla. Okay. <laughs> Their plan, the the plan of. Uh, Tobias Beckett and his crew is to steal an AT hauler yeah. so they can do a train heist on Vandor. Yes. They manage to successfully steal the, the AT hauler out of the battlefield, but they need Solo's help to get it out. Yeah. So he tries to help them, but then they dob it, they dob him in and they say, Hey you, you're 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 a, you know, you're trying to leave you're a traitor, you're trying to leave the army. They throw him over to the military and the mud troopers take him and throw him in the pit with the, what they call the beast. Yes. The beast is, is, is Chewbacca. He's an angry Wookiee. He's a slave. He's having to fight down there, enslaved by the Empire. And then Han uses his skills in Shuriwook, which is the Wookiee language. He doesn't know much, but he manages to communicate that they can help each other to escape. Is it explained at any point why he can at least pick up well, a little bit of language? Yeah. Shuriwook. Uh, I think on Corellia is a very vast okay. world. You learn a lot of things. Okay. You know, Corelli is one of those places where you can run into anybody. So um, it's not a far stretch of the agency. He just says he doesn't know much. He knows a little to understand him. That's true. Maybe he's just conversational in Siri Walk. Maybe he's not fluent. Has he been taught by another Wookiee then or something? Perhaps. Yeah. He just picks things up. Everything's up every now and then. Chewbacca is down there in the pit. Yep. And do you know who plays Chewbacca? By Finnish basketball player, Jonas Sotomo. Yeah, I know who that is. You don't know Finnish basketball player Jonas Sotomo? Unfortunately not. For the video version, we'll put a picture of it. Who's he play for? Uh, Finnish basketball player <laughs> Jonas Sotomo? I don't quite know exactly. 
Uh, I may have to look that up. <laughs> are you typing? Are you typing his full yeah. title? English in. basketball player. What was that called? Uh, what was the name? It may be. It's J double O N A S S U O T A M O. There he is. There he is. Uh, former, he is best known for his role as Chewbacca. Yeah, no, who'd he play for? Got him. Who'd he play well, for? Well, he went to Penn State, so. And he still plays Chewbacca to this day because he played him in uh, Rise of Skywalker and in The Last Jedi. Correct. Good on him. He seems like a gen- He seems like a nice, kind fellow. And if I I I won't. This isn't my weekly rec, but I will recommend the Wired autocomplete interview <laughs> of him and Amelia Clark, who also stars in this film as Kira, Fair doing enough. doing it together. And they are a barrel of laughs, both of them. Could you imagine, right, being in America? Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's he's finished, no. but I'd assume he'd be in America. I know exactly. But and like, yeah, okay, right. You know what? I'm gonna play college basketball. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe I'll. Because obviously in America, it's different to us. We play football, but you don't go like a, you know, as a Scott, you don't go to uni. It's like a little side thing if you play sports here for like uni and stuff. But if you go to college, you're playing a team to make it professional. Mm-hmm. Imagine like, oh, I could get in the NFL, NFL, so I can get in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, I could play for the Chicago Bulls, or, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and you end up as Chewbacca somehow. <laughs> That's a weird... Yes, very yeah. strange indeed. You know, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go dunk some hoops, shoot some hoops. I'm then now beat you back. Oh, yeah, I'm now a Wookiee. <laughs> I am curious. I'm about to Google it. How George Lucas ended up with a, a basketball player? <laughs> well, I don't think it was George Lucas. I think it may have been Disney that did this. Oh, okay. Because Peter Mayhew played Chewbacca in yeah. four, five, and six, and then uh, and then episode three when Chewbacca appears, and he retired. Uh, bless his soul, rest in peace. But his body just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised to be honest. That's a big, big old suit. Because he was a big ass as well, and I think his body was probably deteriorating. Yeah. Peter Mayhew. But the heist takes place on Vandor, and it's a train heist. Yep. They have to get on the uh, 20T Railcrawler Convey X Transport. That's what the train's called, if you didn't realise. And steal some coaxium. Coaxium <laughs> is very powerful. Coaxium. Yeah, it's, uh, it's because it, there's. Yeah, that's why we mentioned it last time. Why? Oh, yeah, the coaxium. Yeah, I mentioned coaxium. Yeah. And I said it's from Solo, and you said you didn't know. Yes. Coaxium is from Solo, correct. And they have to steal this big train carriage yes. full of coaxium and carry it away using the AT hauler. But they're attacked by Emphis Nest and her cloud riders. That's what they're called. Nice. A cloud rider group which also in- involves Weasel. Do you know Weasel? Well, I am Weasel. No, no, from episode <laughs> one. Episode one of Phantom Menace, there was okay. a character in the pod race called Weasel, sat with Watto. That is played by Warwick Davis and Watto. And Watto. Oh, okay. And Weasel is yes, the same yes, in this. Yes, yes, He's yes, the yes. same character. Sorry, I thought, I thought you meant an actual pod racer for a second. No, 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 no. He sat in the crowd <laughs> next to Watto. Yes. Uh, Warwick Davis, you know, with some hair on. And yeah. he's back in this as the same character, as a rebel with the Cloud Riders, which is a great little piece of continuity. Uh-huh. And it also includes... Uh, Emphis' story of, of having a gang of people who, whose worlds were affected by by the syndicates. Yeah. Of course, because Tatooine's ruled by the Huts. So it makes sense that perhaps uh, Weasel was oppressed by the Hut clan and joined up with the rebels, which is, again, a, a fantastic little piece of continuity there. 
and Emphasis is, is is really cool. I really like the, the sort of early startings of the rebels in these little sort of they're seen as marauders yeah. and and thieves, but they're actually a group of a resistance group. Yeah, I mean that is the one thing against these crime syndicates. When it comes to this film, it's the one thing that I guess is somewhat enjoyable. Mm. It's the kind of early start to everything. The little kind of it's almost too far. I almost prefer learning more about it. Less hand solo and just more about everything else. Yeah, yeah. Can we have where's our Empress <laughs> Nest more stuff? Yeah. Empress Nest, please. Because it says her mother wore the mask before she did, so there was yeah. like two Empress Nests, which is pretty cool. She's appeared in comics and things like that. And Erin Erin Kellyman is just doing amazing right now. She's quite hot right now. She's yeah. going to be in the Willow remake because uh, they're bringing Warwick Davis back for that as well. So they'll be reunited in the in the new Willow <laughs> show or film or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And Erin Kellerman was also in, I'm going to get this right, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She played the, again, young girl who was another um, activist. Yeah. I don't want to say she's been typecast, but she seems like a nice girl. On Vandal, they run into some trouble from Emphasis' gang. Yeah. And Rio and Val are uh, killed. Val, Val, Val blows herself up on the bridge because she's being attacked by probe droids and she has to destroy the bridge so they can get the, the carriage. Then they report back to Dryden on yep. his yacht. Um, the first, it's called the first light. On his yacht. His yacht. This, that's a space yacht. Oh, okay. You see his ship. It was the big sort of column in the sky. I know that. You know. But it's a. Do you know what class of ship it is? Uh, it is a yacht class. No, it's a non-class uh, oh. space yacht. It's close. They meet him on the first light, and all of his uh, retinue are there. Yep. So Dryden's not very unhappy. They've lost him the coaxium, and he says, "I'm gonna. I don't want to send you out or any bounty hunters to get it. What I'm gonna send you is I'm gonna send you to go and get more coaxium, the same amount of coaxium that you lost in that heist. <laughs> You're gonna go to Kessel and get some. That's now, a, Kessel, famous for its spice mines. That's a you know, smart move, that is. What? You've lost it. I'm going to twist you again. Twist you again to get more. Yeah. He, says, he says he doesn't give second chances very very often. Yeah, well. Because Beckett's his man. So he yeah. says, well, you're going to do this for me again, and you're going to get it right. They arrive on Kessel. Yep. But for, wait, no, they don't arrive on Kessel yet. They're heading to Kessel. But Kira says they need a pilot. They don't trust Han, despite the fact Han's you know, a capable pilot enough. He says they need another pilot. Right. So they go and they meet up with who? Lando Calrissian <laughs> and his droid L337. Correct. Who's played by the very famous now Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is everywhere. Yeah. You know, Americans love her, the British love her, the Oscars love her. <laughs> Everyone loves Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Why did you yeah. go to two countries and then the Oscars? I'm just saying, <laughs> the Oscars do love her. Sure. They, they go down um, and get the get the Millennium Falcon. They get the ship, yeah. and there was some very obvious ADRing there because I, I'm, I'm going to guess it was ADR. Yeah. Because there was a big fan outcry. In fact, they changed how the Millennium Falcon looked, and <laughs> they because they put a thing in the front. Uh, they they sort of sleeked it out, made it all blue. Uh, they covered all the holes up and made it look very you know factory new. And I looked at that time. And I was like, you know what? That's not bad. To say that the, the Millennium Falcon looks like that, and say that that's how it comes off the shelf. I mean, know? it did retcon. The problem is, it was a quite an obvious retcon because every other YT hundred every other YT one three hundred freighter looks like the Millennium Falcon does. Yeah. 
So they had to ADR it, and Lando said, oh, we've just modified it. I've just put this bit at the front, you know? <laughs> I, can, I can see what they were going for, because obviously, I mean, Hans had that for years and years after we see it in the, you know, the classic films of Harrison Ford. So obviously it would look different, because presumably over the years it's... You know, it's gone from several people. And it's whatever. rusted or it's you know, gotten old. It's been, probably been hit by a couple of asteroids or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been scraped and scorched yeah. and all that. So it would make sense for it to look newer, but maybe not, yeah, back new. <laughs> maybe not as new as it is in this film. Yeah. But it's on the Lando. Lando's a capable capable pilot and a exactly. capable captain of the ship. His first mate, LC-37, has, a, has an amazing uh, navigational database in her droid brain. And she's fighting for droid rights. She wants droids to be respected in the galaxy. Because let's be honest, they've always been treated as second-class citizens. This is after the Clone Wars. Yeah, true. So her plight is considerable. Yes. This is after the Clone Wars where the droids made up 100% of the uh, the enemy that people saw. It was droids and aliens. That's why droids and aliens are looked down upon in the Star Wars galaxy. Because after the Clone Wars, droids and aliens were treated as the aggressors because they were the separatists. Yeah, true. I wish she should have met a, met a young Princess Leia. Mm. She was very much droid rights. Nice yeah. bit of C-3PO. Yeah, of course, of course. Do you think actually doesn't appear in this film? No. One of the rare instances <laughs> where C-3PO <laughs> isn't forced somehow into this film. No. L337 says, oh, I don't want to go to Kessel. But, but Lando's like, I'm your captain. We're going to come with me to Kessel. <laughs> yeah. So they fly all the way to Kessel. And they have, it's very difficult to navigate because Kessel is, you know, in sort of... I think it's in the outer rim. I'm going to say that. I'm not sure, though. Oh, you're not sure. I'm just going to give that a little Back yourself. Back myself. Yeah. Now we're both looking up Kessel. I'm not. Oh, you're not. It is in the outer rim. I was right. I was right. It is in the outer rim. I should doubt myself. I was just it is in the outer I was rim. just checking because I didn't want to mention it. It's on the slice. Um until I until I made sure. Obviously we mentioned C Fever is not C Fever is not in this film. Just Googled it. Just a clarification. Anthony Daniels is still here. Is he? Yes. Goodness. <laughs> I, I you think, can't get out and can't f- escape f- him. Who is he? I think he has a cameo. C-3PO. I think I think yeah, let me read this article. Because C three PO. Right, you read, I'll talk about Kessel. Yes. Now it's difficult to get to Kessel when you're flying by spaceship. Because it's in a maelstrom and you have to drop out of hyperspace outside the maelstrom. Because if you hyperspace through the maelstrom, you can get caught in a gravity well or caught in what they call the moor, which is this like black hole. You don't want to get stuck in that or, you know, you're going to be going nowhere fast and you'll probably be dead. So what they had to do was hyperspace close to Kessel and then fly through the maelstrom, follow the boys, these sort of boys of light that float, that float in space. Fly all the way through the through the maelstrom and then come out at Kessel. They do it in this film. They also do it in Clone Wars in the last season of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Ahsoka is with the Martinez sisters making a delivery of spice for this criminal gang, and they have to fly to Kessel as well. And they also have to go through the maelstrom. I know who he is. Who is he? So, uh, for anyone who's wondering why I'm googling if Anthony Daniels is still in this, Anthony Daniels has been in like every single Star Wars yeah, film. Yes, as C-3PO. Yes, uh, except for. I think Rogue One. No, he's in Rogue One. He's in oh, okay. Rogue One. He's at the Yavin base and he has a line. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, Scarif. Going to Scarif. Yes. No one tells me anything, R2. So, he is in this. Uh, he plays a Wookiee. Does he? He is, uh, according to this article... <clears throat> this is a quote here. Right. He, I like to see Anthony Daniels doing his Wookiee impression. Uh, Anthony Daniels is in a movie... Uh, in the Papillion-type offshoot story, the Wookiee that helps them escape, Chewbacca's best friend, is Anthony Daniels, and beckons him to join them as they escape on a different ship. 
Right. So he plays a Wookiee. He plays probably the the, the smaller Wookiee. Probably. Because there's that Wookiee woman as well, that Chewbacca. I don't think he'd be the Wookiee woman. He's, I no. think the Wookiee woman. It might be Chewbacca's <laughs> wife and children from the holiday special. <laughs> Is that what it sounds like? I forgot. No, I, no, that's what he sounds like. I blocked block that movie out of my head. Itchy and Lumpy and Nala yeah. and the other one. No, I think there's only three of them. Lump, Nala is his wife. Yeah. And Itchy, Itchy is his grandfather, or his father, his dad. I think he's Chewbacca's dad. Yeah. And Lumpy is his son, who makes that weird gargle noise that I just did. He goes, Yeah, I have completely blacked that movie wipe that, wipe out of my head. <laughs> but Kessel is ran by the Pike Syndicate, which you should be, should be familiar with. If yep. you aren't familiar with the Pike Syndicate, I don't know who you are, because the Pikes were have been somehow given really weird exposure in Star Wars recently. They were in the Clone Wars, and they appear in this in Solo. Quay Tolsite is the director of the, the Minds of Kessel. Then they turn up as probably the main antagonistic force, apart from Cad Bane and the Huts, in the Book of Boba Fett. So the Pikes have been given quite a bit of <laughs> exposure recently for a very minor and supporting role in in an animated show yep so they're the they get on kessel and they meet with the pikes and they perform the heist things go wrong people are shot the droid l337's messed up by the laser fire as lando has to go out and save him chewie gets to reunite with some wookie friends and l337 causes a massive uh, rebellion on the by the mines by setting all the droids free the droids smash up the control room then everything's going to going to heck in a handbasket. Yeah. Oh, it uh, turns out the free Wookiee slave, the woman, is called Sagwa. Yes, uh, Anthony Daniels plays Tack. Tack, right. Yes. Okay. I also speak to the uh, WDD admin mech DDBD, that's its name, <laughs> and frees him of his, his restraining bolt, yep. which allows all the droids to be free. And also, I did laugh at that bit in the cinema where the donk droid was stepping on the controls. Did you remember the way he's jumping on the controls? He's only got two legs, but he's bouncing on the control panels. Do you want to know what else I just found out about Anthony Daniels? In 1978, he played Legolas. Did he? Yeah. In what? Lord of the Rings. Oh, right. <laughs> what kind of... What's Lord of the Rings? Uh, American animated fantasy film by Ralph oh, Bakshi. Oh, the Bakshi uh, Lord of the Rings. He's oh, that's Legolas. so weird. We should watch that sometime. <laughs> We should watch the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. He's also an I bought a vampire motorcycle. Nice. As a priest. Lando is doing his like vlog or whatever. He's doing his uh, vlog. Um, he's doing his <laughs> the Carizian Chronicles, the adventures of Lando Carizian on his holograms. Like on YouTube or whatever they have in Star Wars universe. Yeah. On the Hollow Net is what they call it. <laughs> Whack it on the Hollow Net, Lando. It's yeah. the galaxy's favorite Hollow Net transmission, the Carizian Chronicles by Lando Carizian. But they have to escape through the moor in the Falcon. Yes. They have to fly through because the Imperials arrive, because they got word of the they got word of the rebellion on Kessel and the center the Star Destroyer, and all of the uh, all the Tie Fighters are attacking, including the Tie uh, Brute or the Tie B as it's called, which is a, like a Tie Tie Fighter, but it's got an extra pod on the side with the two laser cannons. So they have to they have to fly through the Maelstrom because they need to escape the Imperial blockade, but they need to they can't get round it. Yep. So they have to go through the maelstrom, which is impossible to do. But of course, don't never tell me the odds. Han Solo is ready to do it yeah. in less than 20 parsecs. Yes. Now, as we know, parsec is a unit of distance, yep. not time. Yes. So that means that in order for it to be under 20 parsecs, they have to travel 
less distance to get out from Kessel. Yeah. Which means they have to do the Kessel run in less than 20. Do it in 14. Did he say less than 12? I think he said less than 12. Yeah. Kessel Maybe. Less than 12 parsecs. Yeah, he did. He was 12, sorry. I'm getting my <laughs> numbers wrong. It's like a really famous quote, Corey. I'm losing my Oh, head. it's such a famous Han Solo quote. It Everyone's favourite. Everyone loves the, the Kessel Run <laughs> quote. Yeah. Everyone's favourite Han Solo quote. If you think Han Solo, I think of the Kessel Run. Yeah. Han takes the Falcon and all of the TIE fighters go through the Maelstrom as well. And he's doing the classic asteroid belt manoeuvre, swinging the, swinging the whole ship around and knocking TIE fighters into walls and knocking TIE fighters into, into all kinds of... All kinds of debris going yep. around the Akadizi Maelstrom. And they're flying around as, as Tobias Beckett is manning the laser guns and gunning down those TIE fighters. They go through asteroids. They're, they're slipping and sliding around the ship. Which I think is fun. I think the amount of fun is when they're just bumping around the yeah. ship because the ship's moving at such speeds. And when Be- <laughs> Beckett's... They need to power the engine, right? And Beckett says, I'll, u- I'll use the coaxium. I'll use a bit of the coaxium that we've taken because it's a really powerful hyperfuel. Because that's what they use it to. They refine it and it becomes hyperspace fuel, yeah. right? So Beckett says, I'll refine it. So he gets... Uh, his like injector or whatever, he injects it in, he takes a bit out and he's running to the engines and then the the ship gets rocked by I don't know what, he bangs on something and he just face plants onto the floor and slides. I think that, and that and that, that tickled me somewhat. He's running, he's like and he, sli- and he slides down the floor. And then he has to get up and keep going. <laughs> Physical comedy call I'll never be I'll never not laugh at someone falling over. I just think it's really funny all the time. They have to get to Savarine. And to get to Savarine, this is where the climax of the film is. Yep. To get to Savarine from Best part Kessel. of the film. Yeah, we have to Savarine from Kessel. Finishes. To, to actually refine the coaxium <laughs> itself. Yeah. They get to the station, and Lando, who's all busted up from the fight, and from the flight, says, I hate you, Han Solo. I'm never going to be your friend. I'm going to go and get a mining colony on Best <laughs> And then Han's like, all right, I hate you, I know. I hate you as well. And then Lando gets in his freighter, but then Memphis Nesta and her marauders arrive. And he's like, there's nowhere left to run, Becky and Han Solo. I'm, I'm taking you in. I'm beating you up. But then Han does his great job of going, well, you see that freighter down there? I've got loads of men in that freighter. You're going to be surrounded, dude. Yeah. And then the Millennium Falcon just takes off and flies away. Yeah. Han just leaves with his ship without actually requesting his money, which he was asking for, but all the time. Yes. But he does later in the scene at the end of the film. He does end up asking for his money, but he doesn't get it. But the... Should we talk about Sabak a bit? Because they do play at the end. We'll leave that. We'll leave that. For, we'll leave Sabak till later. Okay. Because they still have to return. They still have to return to the first light to Trident's yacht to perform the the the, the bait and switch. Because this is like a this is like a heist movie. This is like a gangster movie. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. They do a couple of heists, and on the first light, it's where Dryden thinks he has fake coaxium because they bring in the coaxium and they say, ah. Oh, you, someone told me about your deal with Emphis Nest. You'll make you realize Emphis Nest is like a good person. Yeah. And that she's a rebel and she's trying to fight against me and the syndicates. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm gonna capture you all, but using all my guards. So Dryden sends out his men and they capture who they think is Emphis. It's just an old woman in a helmet. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, okay, so keep going. Capture an old woman in the helmet. Yeah. But then Emphis and all of her men turn up and they work Davis fires as a rocket you see that rock Davis yes. has a rocket launcher they gun all the, all his dudes down and then they realize they don't have the coaxium it's a fake they have the boxes are empty so they have the real coaxium 
It reminds me of uh, Back to Bright Day was for a split second with Rocket Launcher. Oh. Uh, it reminds me of that one bit from, I think it's the Tchaikovsky Clone Wars, but I could be wrong. Right. There is a, a Grievous is going down a, a, on the outside of an elevator. Oh, and the clone yeah. rocket launcher to the, to yeah. the side of and blows up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that it is? It's, that is, yeah. It's, yeah. It's Tark- that's Tarkovsky's Clone yes. Wars. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That, that's just what I had in my head. That's the 2003 Clone Wars. Yeah. So there's a there's another swindling. There's another double crossing. Yep. Beckett is is the secret agent yep. of of uh, Dryden Voss. Yes. He says, "Man, their their buddy is up together." But then he ends up betraying Dryden because he says, yep. "You should trust nobody. Expect everyone to betray you, and you'll never be disappointed in them." So he guns down all the dudes, and he's like, "Right, I'm stealing with this coaxium. I'm going to sell it off, and you, Shubaka, you'll come with me. You're coming to Tatooine." We're gonna to go to Tatooine together and and shack up with Jabba. Yeah. Join join Jabba the Hutt's crew right. on Tatooine. So they end up escaping and the fight breaks out between Han, Dryden, and Kira. I talk about Kira a lot. I quite really like Kira in this. She's a nice level-headed character, a nice you know romantic foil for True. for Han. She's got her own arc of joining Crimson Dawn, being sort of sold to Crimson Dawn. That happens in a comic. There's a comic that sort of bridges. The two flashbacks. Okay. Flashback at the start. The flashback yeah. at the start of the film to the point of the film where we are at now. Where it resolves that like Kira was handed around through several sort of slave dealers, yeah. and it's you know she was tortured or horrible things before she was brought to Dryden, who probably treated her no better. You're probably not really. But from teaching her how to fight and giving her a, a cool sword, she uses that cool sword to kill him. <laughs> she captures his sort of knife between the sword, between the because the sword's got a, a slit in it. Yes. She captures the knife between the sword, spins it round. Stabs Dryden in the chest, gets yeah, him. Boom. Dead. D-E-D, dead. Gets yes, him on gone. The ground. And then she steals his fancy ring, his fancy communicator. Do you remember this part in the film? His fancy communicator ring that he wears, is, it's got the Crimson Dawn logo on it. Yeah. If you put it into the if you put it into the panel, it contacts somebody, his, his boss on the hologram. And who's his boss? This is the one I'm going to get correct. It's Darth Maul. Yes! People were so confused in the cinema <laughs> when I was watching this. <laughs> Because well, I watched this when it came out in yeah. the cinema. And I knew Darth Maul was alive. Because yes. I'd watched The Clone Wars. And yes. I'd watched Rebels. Yes. And I knew where this was in the timeline. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Maul made the Shadow Collective, which is this group of gangsters using the Mandalorians and whatever. And he took control of Mandalore. Yep. And then he got ousted in the end of The Clone Wars because the Battle of Mandalore happened. And Ahsoka you know, got rid of him and then he escaped. And then he turned up on Malakor. This is between that time. So it makes sense that Maul would still be running a criminal enterprise. Yes. This is okay. Yeah. I understand. Cool bit of fan service. Ray Park's back. Samwick was back. Let's go. However, everyone around me was like, <laughs> was he in... Was he, did, he, did he die? Did he die in, in, in 1999? You see, I Everyone happened... was so confused. And I think I was the only one that understood it. Not only did I understand it, I heard Samwick's voice from his first line and yeah. I knew immediately who it was because I saw the robot leg and yes. I heard Sam Witwer go, yes. And I was like, that's Sam Witwer. That's Darth Maul. And I'm like, that's Darth Maul. That's Darth Maul all the time. And then when he takes off the hood and you hear him, I'm like, ah, oh, I was so, like, I was, I was gyrating in the cinema because I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, Darth Maul. So I knew, well, to be fair, I, I knew he was in it anyway because it's been like, you know, five years, four years, whenever since. Yeah, you know he's in it already. Uh, at the time when it came out, because I got spoiled for that pretty quickly anyway, I knew I knew he was alive, but I only, I think, recently found out that he survived. Because mm. I remember going to my brother at one point, and being like, oh, yeah, Darth Maul survived, bro. And he's like, how? Mm. I'm like, yeah, he, you know, he just survived. He's just angry. 
You've got robot legs. Yeah, yeah. You watch the Clone Wars. This is why this is why people should watch the Clone Wars. It's not hard. Yeah. People should watch the Clone Wars. It's got so much this is why I always say watch the Clone Wars. Because not only does it affect things now, and it's still affecting things now, but it's a really good piece of Star Wars media. It's an amazing piece of Star Wars media. It's a great it's a great show anyway. It's a great show. Watch the Clone Wars. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, watch the Clone Wars, for goodness sake. So I get a bit too heated there, but more, more. I love seeing Darth Maul. Yeah. I will never not tire of seeing Maul. He's great. And this is his live action, like, sort of debut since Phantom yeah. Menace. And yeah. it's Ray Park, the guy that played him in 1999. He's coming back as well. He bulked up for the role. I was going to say, I also seem to remember him being at probably Comic Con or something. Yeah. And just flipping around everywhere. Yeah. Did you, did you see that video where he got the double bladed lights? Yeah. He's going. Spinning around, flipping around everywhere. He's still got the moves. He's still got the grooves. He could probably turn up and be Darth Maul tomorrow if you asked him. I would hope so. And he'd love it. He loves going to, to go into conventions, and he's made a fortune off this yeah. role. So it's only appeared. Role he had, he had about five lines. Yeah. And did nothing but look cool and fight cool. Which, yeah. To be honest, he does really, really well. Get Darth Maul. Get him back in something. Oh, get him back in something, please. In Andor, I don't care. You know. Yeah. And then, of course, the, it's the team of Sam Witwer as well who voiced him in Clone Wars. It's Sam yes. Witwer voicing Ray Park, which is just the best collaboration. The best collaboration for this character. Uh, it's also a nice little cap on his story because we know what happens to him after this. True. We know he goes to Malachor to yeah. find the Sith Temple and we know he ends up on Tatooine and we know he gets killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Correct. Then after the wrapping up the film now, yes. after Kira decides to leave leave Han Solo, her, her love of her life, uh, you know, a bit of the bit of the red horned man, red horned man, because wouldn't you, you know, he pops out his lightsaber, he says, all right, bring the ship to me, Kira, we'll work together. I'm like, you know what? I'm on team more. Yeah. I'm on team more. Yeah. Give me a, give me a double lightsaber and I'm all yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any day, yeah. any day, all day long. Han ends up confronting Tobias Beckett. He's like, yes. you've got the coaxium. And Tobias is like, I'm going to teach you one more lesson, kid. This is the most important lesson ever. Then he gets shot in the chest and falls down. Yes. Because Han Solo shoots first. Yep. There's another reference for you. Another reference to the great infamous Greedo yeah. shootout. Han breaking his neck in the special edition to dodge the laser, laser <laughs> blast. Because Han apparently would only shoot in retaliation. And Han isn't... You know, a cold-blooded smuggler who would take the shot with someone's aiming a gun at him. Yeah. Apparently, George Lucas thinks he wouldn't do that. Yeah, well. He would. He, he would. He, he, he just shot. Yes. He just shot Beckett. Yeah. So, which you would do. Yeah. Which you're not going to let him get away. You know, he betrays you, betrays your trust, you know, tries to kill your friends. You're going you're gonna, to gonna shoot him. Of course you are. Don't let him get away. Exactly. And that's what Han would do. Yes. Which almost... Arguably, retcons a new hope in a weird way because why did Han wait to shoot Greedo? Yeah, Greedo shot him. As they shot at the same time or, yeah, or something, and Greedo maybe. said McClunky. True. And then Han sort of CGI snaps his neck to the side and dodges the the laser blast to shoot him back. When Han was had his gun ready under the table, it's. And in every other edition, because when the New Hope gets re-editioned by other people, you know, fanets and stuff, that yeah. scene is always Han just shoots him anyway. Yes. And Greedo never gets a shot off, because Greedo's a dumb bounty hunter, and Han's a smart man. Yeah. 
I mean, it makes every level of sense. George Lucas is an amazing man with a wonderful mind, and he's created a great world which I love to this day, and I will probably always love for the rest of my life. And I, I, I adore Star Wars, but this is a. I'm sorry, George. I cannot agree with this special edition change on this one. Why doesn't Han just shoot him? Yeah. Why doesn't Han just shoot Greedo? Greedo's got a gun on him. Just do it. Yeah. In the words of Palpatine, you know, yes. just do it. Yes. <laughs> do it. And the film ends with them re- with reuniting on uh, the medium prime, not Felucia like I thought it was. <laughs> it was the medium prime. Orlando's playing a card game and Han sneaks up on him, manages to win the Falcon yeah. by playing Sepak, the yeah. card game which appeared earlier in the film. And that's Solo a Star Wars story. Yeah, it's done. What a ride. It's done. Did you have a real rating prepared? Yes. We could go on about this film. I think there's a lot of lore in this film and a lot of things turn up. A lot of great little ideas. I really love the design of those range troopers from Corellia. And sorry, it was the patrol troopers. The range troopers were on the train on Vandor. Yeah. The sort of snow trooper type hybrids, really like them. Emphis Nest, another amazing addition. Her whole story with her cloud riders and the sort of early starting of the rebellion. I really like more. Again, talk about how much I love more. True. Dryden Voss is a good addition as well. He's appeared in the Clone Wars. A hologram of him has appeared in the Clone Wars. And he may be appearing in Bad Batch Season 2. So I've heard. Yeah. Beckett, I don't think we'll see men nah. more, much more from. But if Donald Glover wants to play Lando, <laughs> then sort of thing. If he's up for it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, fil- the film's all right. It wasn't great. Right, was your bad. real rating? About six. Six. Maybe a five point five. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a five point five. Yeah. I think that's a bit harsh. I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. It's not a row it's not near it's not close to a row one ten. Yeah. But it will get a seven. Okay. Ron Howard does a good job of directing. I feel like do you know about the Lord and Miller version? Or would this be... Would the, I mean, this might require another episode. Yeah, no, no. This film was heavily chopped up in the edit. Of course it was. It was reshot. It was redone. <laughs> it was... Things were reacted. People were recast. Things were changed up the wazoo. Because originally it was done by Philip Lord and Christopher Miller, who were credited as executive producers on this film, if yeah. you noticed. It was originally their film, and they were going to make it more of a comedy. And almost like a a Deadpool-style, kind of self-aware Star Wars comedy, which would have been weird and nothing like nothing we've ever had yeah. before. But then Ron Howard was sort of brought back to, to do the studio vision when Lord and Miller were kind of kicked out by Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, I don't know. The creative decisions didn't line yes. up for what they wanted this film to be, and there was clash. Yeah, I mean, that happens which often. Film. Often, yeah, on off, off fun films often, especially films yeah. of this calibre. Exactly. So things were changed... And things which were, there was different stuff that was changed up. Just one example, one example was, not only was Dryden Voss going to be played by a different person, he was also going to be a Lassart, which was a uh, kind of, sort of a wolf gorilla type alien. Yeah. And they changed him into being just poor Bettany with lines on his face. However, the weekly rec for this week. Is yours. It is mine. It's not a film. Okay. It's not like you may be expecting an episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yep. It's not that. It's a picture. A okay. series of pictures. Did you know that originally, writer-director George Lucas, you may have heard of him, yep. he created Star Wars, and one of my personal heroes. Uh, writer-director George Lucas, when, when creating episode three, Revenge of the Sith, uh, in, 2000, um, in 2005, 
he in fact envisioned a young Han Solo in that film. On Kashyyyk, okay. with Chewbacca. Concept art exists. That's what my weekly rec is. I want you to find that concept art. Just to, literally just search up. Start right now, Corey, on your, on, your, on your Google, if you don't mind. Search Star Wars Episode 3, Han Solo. Go to Google Images and tell me what you see. Should be a couple of pieces of concept art there from episode three. Uh, oh, wait a minute. There we go. Uh, There's a wonderful article by Den of Geek as well that really that's, that really, that's the one I'm on. Yeah, that really describes his role and what it was meant to be, and the events of a ten-year-old Han Solo on Kashyyyk. I mean, it makes sense. From Revenge of the Sith. And he actually would have helped Yoda in locating um, General Grievous and the droid fleet yeah. that was about to attack Kashyyyk. Because he only had one line. Han Solo was written into the film. He had one line. It was, uh, I found part of a transmitter droid near the East Bay. I think it's still sending and receiving signals. He was just meant to be a boy. Yeah. Tatooine that was Han Solo. And sorry, not Tatooine, Kashyyyk. Then Yoda would reply, Good, good. Track this weekend back to the source. Find General Grievous, we might. Yoda would respond, and then there'll probably be like a star wipe, yeah. or a, or a, or a circle, or you know, a, an eye match or something, cutting back to cutting to the next scene. But yeah, Han Solo was going to be in episode three, and he was cut. Episode three could have been seven or eight hours long. There's so much stuff on the cutting room floor of that film yeah. that we may need to dedicate an episode to it at some point down the line. But that is my weekly rec. Find okay. that concept art. You know, I'll recommend this article, shall I? Yeah. This Den of Geek article. It's called Star Wars The Han Solo Episode 3 Cameo That Never Was by Ryan Lambie, which was written May 24th, 2018. So the year this that Solo came out, which I feel like is very fitting. Yep. And I'll give this article another seven. Fair enough. Why not? Even though I don't think putting Han in Episode 3 was a very good idea, I'm sure the article was very well written and very informative. So there you are. Read that, read that article. And we hope you enjoyed this this very loose creative review of Solo Star Wars Story. We'll be back at you next week Correct. with our weekly film and review pop culture content. Hope you enjoy, folks. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And a goodbye from Corey. Goodbye.